From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. It feels so long since I've been sitting here in this studio talking with you and speaking with you and covering the biggest stories across the world, but uh, it's only been about 12 days. So um, I hope you haven't missed me too much. I have missed our listeners and our viewers and all those who are following TNT right across the world. I have missed getting across some of the big news stories because the news has not stopped. So welcome for the beginning of 2024, a clean slate, which is always a good thing. I'm sure in about 365 days, it will look very much unclean given what's happening in 2024, which I'll get to in just a second. There has been some alarming footage uh, released on social media of a judge being attacked in the United States, which I'll play for you in just a short moment. We've been covering it in the news in the last couple of bulletins because it was released about two hours ago. It is frightening. It is truly frightening. And I think it actually opens up a Pandora's box in that you'll get copycat attacks around the world. Let's just hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong, but let's just uh, ensure that courtrooms right across the world are on alert now because of how easy it was for an offender to jump the bench, literally, physically, jump the bench and attack the judge because of what she was about to do to the offender. I'll get to that shortly. Our special guest today will be the former Marine, Grant Newsham. Boy, have we got something um, to talk about with Grant. We're only nine days away from the Taiwanese election. And of course, strategists in Washington and China are looking very closely at what's happening in Taiwan nine days from now. We've got this plane fireball, which erupted after... Um, colliding with another aircraft in Japan. Uh, now, Grant has spent a significant amount of time in the Pacific, the Indo-Pacific region, but in particular, Japan. And we'll talk to him about what occurred and how two planes can collide so easily in one of the busiest airports in the world. Uh, we'll also take a look at China, 2024, diplomatically, internationally, militarily. Are they closer or further away from an impending invasion of Taiwan and this so-called reunification. So Grant Newsham, a good way to start the program for this year. The politically incorrect former radio champion of both 2GB and 2UE in Sydney, Jim Ball, will be on the program today. We'll discuss the long-awaited list of documents related to Jeffrey Epstein. Can I please just get one thing clarified? I've seen inaccurate news reports about how this would be a client list. It is not a client list. Uh, sadly, for the world, uh, this has not been a transparent process and we have not got a list of clients through the court precinct, but we do have a list of documents that are, well, have been left sealed. Now, some of those documents have found their way to the media today and we'll go through what we know and some of the information we've had released about, for instance, Bill Clinton's penchant for younger girls, etc. So all of that coming your way when we catch up with Jim Ball. The terror group Hezbollah is about to seek revenge on Israel 
for the killing of the deputy leader of Hamas. They have said there are no ceilings, no limits on what they will revenge, which is quite frightening. So we'll get to that as well. On top of all that, Jim will have plenty to say about a four-year term in Australian politics. Boxing officials too. Uh, this happened a few days ago. Boxing officials have allowed transgender men, biological women, to compete in major elite boxing events. Now, there are a few qualifications related to that, but I just smell a rat here. I just think that this is a way to guinea pig a possible contender and ensure that no transgender athlete ever wants to compete in the men's division. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, now, a little bit later in the program, I'm going to catch up with a fellow who writes the conservative newsletter from Australia, a fellow by the name of Vern Hughes. It is a massive year globally for conservatives. They're about to get their backside smacked big time in the UK. They may scrape home in November in the United States, the Republican Party, that is. And in Australia, there's a bit of a comeback occurring under the leadership of Peter Dutton over the uh, current government, the Labor Party, led by Anthony Albanese. What sort of a year will it be for Conservatives? A little bit up and down by the sound of it. Um, and, of course, there are opportunities for you to have a say. You can be part of our chat box on tntradio.live. You can do all of that. Or you can jump on the talkback lines and have your say. Uh, you won't be persecuted. You certainly won't be uh, the subject of any kind of inquisitory uh, process, but you will have your say, and it is the best democratic format within the media for you to express your opinion. So you can do that from the United States or Canada. On the same numbers for 2024, one 6425 from the UK, where it's just gone 4am, 033024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, it's mid-afternoon, where I am in Sydney, one 800 You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live on the Global Network, today's News Talk, TNT. Russia. Gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, first up on the program to this terrifying footage which has been captured the moment a US judge was attacked by a man who jumped across her bench during a courtroom sentencing. Now, it's only been released about two hours ago. Footage shared on social media shows Las Vegas Judge Mary Kay Holtus sat at the front of Clark County District Court in Washington on Wednesday as three-time felon Debra Redden is being sentenced. It was a charge of attempted robbery. Um, sorry, a charge of attempted battery. According to 8 News Now, Mr Redden's attorney had asked Holtus to sentence his client's client to probation. That was not occurring. And the judge said something like, nah, we will, uh, he'll get a taste of something else. And that was the trigger. Have a view of this. I appreciate that, but I think it's time that he gets a taste of something else because I just can't with that history. In accordance with the laws of state of Nevada, this court. Judge, 
good. You're good. Stop. Don't do this. I wonder whether that could be the fillip for some kind of additional security in courtrooms around the world because how easy it was for him to jump the bench and vent his feelings physically and attack that judge, uh, the Las Vegas judge. It was frightening stuff. And it goes on for longer. And the judge you never see after that on the video, it's almost as if she's somehow been injured. But the latest is that she did hurt her head her head did collide apparently with the wall behind the bench, but she's okay and she's in hospital at the moment, but she'll be okay, which is quite fortunate. He could have killed her. Without a doubt, he could have killed that judge. And it's it, it makes you wonder why something like that wouldn't happen more frequently, given the fact that judges dish out life-changing sentence on a daily basis. 2024. Just a couple of words about the year ahead. Uh, if you are a news or political junkie, you are going to crave 2024 because it'll be massive. And I mentioned this at the end of 2023, but it's worthwhile having a look at how things have shifted since then. We've got the Middle East conflict, which has now, because of what's occurred in Beirut, with the slaying or the drone attack on the deputy leader of Hamas, has now changed the ball game in that the war has now crept out of the bounds of the Gaza Strip, and no doubt that will happen even further. Um, we've got the war in Eastern Europe. The latest there is an exchange of prisoners. Will they start talking about the word negotiation? Wouldn't that be nice? They could park their egos, Putin and Zelensky, and start talking about negotiation. It is endless. It is has become a forgotten war, and it is meaningless. Meaningless, especially when it comes to the West, which is just forking out resources and cash by the truckload. I'll be following that con uh, that conflict very closely. Uh, as for Israel and Hamas, surely that too, and I'm talking about what occurs in the Gaza Strip, surely that too is getting close to an end. And in that, are we going to see in 2024 a consolidated effort to ensure the rebuilding of the Gaza Strip for the Palestinians? You'd kind of think so, and you'd kind of hope so. Um, then we've got multiple court cases to follow with Donald Trump. Where do you start? Um, this weekend marks, of course, the second anniversary of January the 6th, for which Trump faces another indictment. All of this, of course, feeds into the Trump juggernaut. But, of course, the Democrats are so overpowered by Trump derangement syndrome, they simply don't get it. And as for elections, take your pick. There's the US presidential election. Who will be the 48th? Uh, surely the mentally ailing Biden cannot possibly run. In the UK, the Tories about the, as I said before, get their backsides kicked. And Keir Starmer will be the new prime minister. Um, as for our weekly diet of big ticket items, I won't take the pedal off the metal on things like transgender school policies. There are a number of court cases coming to a conclusion in 2024. Uh, global boiling will make sure that we filter the BS with the truth over global boiling. Um, so if you want to be part of all of that pushback, this is the place to be. And you've got sport. You've got the Paris Olympics. You've got the game of rugby league in Australia being played in Las Vegas. You've got the great game of T20 cricket being played in the US. It's a World Cup being played in the US and the West Indies. So some odd things happening in terms of sport this year. 
Um, and this is the place where you get the best analysis. We will unpack everything that occurs worldwide on a 24-7 basis right here. It's today's News Talk TNT. We are heading into a new year off the back of 10 million downloads, as you know, and, of course, a video streaming system second to none. And uh, so pass it on. It's not just a radio station anymore. This is where you get your news visually, through audio, in any fashion you wish. This is the place to come, and this is TNT. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars and. Most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk We don't rock, rock. we talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Well, strategists from China and Washington are watching very closely the political machinations occurring in Taiwan in nine days' time. They are the island's presidential elections. Incumbent President Tsai Ing-wen of the Democratic Progressive Party has been elected to the office of the president twice consecutively since 2016, so he can no longer be re-elected. The outcome, of course, could reshape future relations between, of course, Taipei and Beijing, but moreover, China and other world powers. My next guest will discuss this and a whole lot more. Grant Newsham is the author of the recently published When China Attacks, A Warning to America. He's a retired US Marine officer with decades of experience in the Indo-Pacific, including serving as reserve head of intelligence for Marine Forces Pacific. He was the first Marine advisor to the Japan Self-Defense Force and helped create Japan's amphibious unit. Mr. Newsham is also an attorney with experience in international trade and public international law. He joins us live from Hawaii. Grant Newsham, welcome back to TNT for 2024. 24. Well, thanks very much, Chris. Glad to be here. And no doubt the weather in Hawaii is unchanged to what it was, say, in the middle of last year when I last spoke with you. No, it's too cold now. It's about 80 today. So. <laughs> Don't rub it in. Let's begin, if I may, with headlines from Japan first, a place where you spent a significant amount of your time. We've all seen the pictures of a Japan Airlines commercial flight bursting into flames following a crash on the runway. Firstly, what a great effort to save the lives of everyone on board the JL plane. It, it really is. You know, I just astonished uh, you know it just it's hard to imagine in some ways it's you'd expect it of a plane full of japanese uh, 
but that said, uh, this was really good work by the, the cabin staff. Uh, I can't imagine too many other countries, aircraft or airliners being able to do this. Uh, you hesitate to use the word miracle, but it was extremely professional. And a lot of people kept their wits about them, both the staff and the, and the passengers. And it really speaks well. And, you know, thank goodness, you know, Japan's just gotten whapped uh, from the start of this year. And you wouldn't uh, want to have a plane full of 300 plus dead people. Isn't it uh, interesting so that for the past 25 to 30 years, passengers in international planes have followed this, you know, overly strict protocol about what to do in the event of a crash, in the event of a fire, in event in the event of oxygen masks coming out of the, the, the ceiling. But that has trained passengers, of course, worldwide. And those passengers on that Japan Airlines plane to do exactly what the crew needed them to do to get out alive. Uh, really was. You know, I fly a lot, like a lot of people. And, you know, you listen to the, the safety briefs, and but I've never had to do it. And to actually have it go this smoothly when the time comes uh, is really something. Um, but it's uh, even though you kind of think you know what you would do when you've got a cabin full of smoke, uh, it's easy to sort of lose your wits. Yeah, very much so. When you're panicked, when you're frightened for those around you, and you're also told to leave all your belongings in the plane, people can react uh, rather obtusely. Um, how is it the two planes are able to collide on such a busy airport tarmac? Well, something got screwed up. You know, it's either the air traffic controller uh, made a mistake or the perhaps the, the pilot of the, the smaller, the dash, or the Coast Guard plane, uh, either misheard something, made a mistake, went onto the runway and had a Japan Airlines uh, Airbus coming right down on him and it couldn't be avoided. Actually, this is not uh, all that unusual uh, from what I'm told by, by pilots uh, that these sorts of near misses are happening with a lot of frequency. Uh, there was one last year in Austin, Texas, I believe, where uh, a FedEx uh, jet came in uh, with a Southwest Airline uh, plane on the on the taking off and the crew was diligent enough alert enough to do a go around instead of landing right on top of them uh, but that that was air that was an air the the controller's fault in that case uh, but they said so pilots will tell you that you know th there's a lot it's, it's just amazing this doesn't happen more often um, and i'm told that there are actually technological fixes for it uh, radar lights etc that uh, just make it harder to make a mistake on the ground uh, but they haven't been implemented, uh, from what I'm told. I'm also watching a lot of coverage through the American news channels about the fact that there is a dearth of air traffic controllers. And so, therefore, not only are the air traffic controllers who are working uh, stressed out, working long hours, really using up the roster, but on top of that, there are fewer of them to lend support at the time of major confusion and major, um, uh, I guess, traffic. Well, that's what I what I hear. And I remember it was about a year or two ago, reading an article actually about the, uh, the shortage of air traffic controllers in the US. And the article was about the difficulties in uh, bringing in experienced uh, former military controllers. And it had something to do 
um, uh, has, and unfortunately, with something like DEI uh, restrictions, yeah, um, they weren't hiring on merit, and they don't have enough. And you can see where the problems are going to come. But I remember, as we've been talking, I remember that very well. Thinking just crazy because you have a, you know guys with military experience and women with military experience, and you think it'd be a natural fit. It's, you know, if you're old enough, you remember when Ronald Reagan fired all of the air traffic controllers um, who thought they were too important to get fired. Uh, but that was a long time ago. But when you know, times passed, a generation has passed, and there is indeed a shortage of, of them. It's a tough job, uh, of course. Uh, it's not for everyone. Uh, but this is it's a business where there is zero tolerance for, for mistakes. But there is another point, and I don't know how adamant you are about how ridiculous diversity and inclusion policies are, especially with something so important as air traffic controllers. Don't you just select the best, the very best, no matter what colour they are, no matter what origins they might uh, supply or what age they are? Don't you just get the best and make sure that people are safe in the air? You'd sure think so. Uh, you'd say think the same thing with pilots as well, when you're letting the pilots bringing it in in a like a 30-knot crosswind, you want the best pilot there is. You don't care exactly where he came from at all. And yet those sorts of things seem to get lost in all of this insanity that we're going through now. Yeah. And, you know, one hardly knows what to say. I hope the the price that is paid in, in lives isn't too high. Yeah. Very true. All right. The ruling Democratic Progressive Party nominated Vice President Lei ching Tay in March 2023. Um, while generally considered the front runner, he faces opposition from two other significant candidates. Can you give us a little bit of a summary of the political race uh, occurring at the moment leading up to the election in nine days' time? Sure. It's, as you, you noted, President or candidate Lai uh, is the vice president of the DPP. That's the ruling party. And they're the ones who are generally considered uh, uh, least well disposed to the People's Republic of China and wanting absolutely nothing to do with being part of the mainland. Uh, the next sort of rival party is the KMT, the Kuomintang, uh, and their head is um, a fellow named uh, Mr. Hu. Uh, they are generally considered soft on China, uh, softer. You know, and within the KMT, you will find a range of opinions some who seem like outright quizlings to others who don't seem that different from the DPP. So there's a range, um, but they're being pretty coy about what they uh, will do with China or towards China uh, in this in the campaign. And then there's a, a party that TPP, the Taiwan People's Party, uh, that's headed by um, a fellow named Cole, and he's a former mayor of Taipei, and he's considered closer to the DPP. Uh, and the TPP was thought to be something of a sort of an option for people who'd had enough of the DPP and uh, that sort of, you know, low wages, not enough jobs, etc., and just wanted a change. But the way it's shaking out, according to the latest polls, and polls will uh, tell you a lot of different things, it depends on which poll, is that the DPP appears to have a lead. Second is the KMT candidate. And third, uh, bringing up the rear uh, is the TPP. You know, one hardly, uh, one hesitates to predict what's going to happen uh, in any election. Uh, and sometimes things changed at the last minute. Um, and it's an interesting sort of feature of Taiwan's elections that is you're not allowed to report polling uh, 
within 10 days or so before the election. Right. Um, and that may be a good thing. Uh, sometimes you just get tired of the polls and you want to get it over with. Well, I say that's part of the equation. And nobody knows what, how this is going to turn out. But one aspect of it is that doesn't get enough attention is it's not just an election for president. You also have people being uh, running for the, the legislature. And it's possible that the DPP candidate, Mr. Lai, could win. But the opposition could uh, take control of the legislature. And you can see the problems that that raises. So what's China going to do all about all of this? Well, we'll, we'll find out, but there's a few uh, possibilities. So, so it might sound obvious, but just explain it to us. Which party does Beijing have its claws into? KMT yeah. uh, and pretty well. Um, before this uh, election, during the campaign, they actually tried to force uh, it's widely believed that the, the mainland, the Communist Party, tried to force the KMT and the TPP, the two opposition parties, to come together on a unity ticket. And that actually broke apart, uh, which gives you uh, some sort of optimism that maybe China doesn't snap its fingers and get everything mm -hmm. it wants. Mm -hmm. uh, but they would definitely like the KMT to win. But, but regardless of who wins, uh, they are not going to give up uh, their objective, which is to take Taiwan. Uh, it's, they just, I think, kind of hope that uh, if an opposition candidate wins, maybe he'll somehow manipulate things or maneuver to uh, sort of hand Taiwan over or make it easier for China to get what it wants. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. But to say the Chinese communist objective has not changed uh, at all. And Xi's New Year message basically said the same thing. Um, it's inevitable we're going to get Taiwan. Let's talk a little bit more about China and his New Year's message. I think these are important aspects to cover at the beginning of the year. We'll come back in just a second. We've got a, an update for our uh, viewers and our listeners on uh, a news update. Grant, I'll be back with you in just a second. Grant Newsham, our special guest on the program for this first program for 2024. Do not go anywhere. News coming up next on TNT. The news you need when you need it. Oh, you have a deep voice. TNT. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The first batch of sealed court documents containing the names of dozens of people linked to deceased pedophile Jeffrey Epstein have been made public. The Israeli Defence Force is being sued over its actions during Hamas's October 7 attack on the Supernova Music Festival. And Russia and Ukraine have carried out a major prisoner swap, with each side releasing more than 200 captives, the exchange made possible by the United Arab Emirates. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. That is an excellent idea. Spread the news. If you like what you're hearing or like what you're seeing, that's the best way to go about it. Tell as many people as you can about what you've found and uh, what they should be watching and what they should be listening to if they want a grasp of world affairs without the BS. Let's talk with Grant Newsham once again about this Taiwanese election in nine days' time. Grant, a senior Chinese official, Zhang Jujuin, head of China's Association for Relations Across the Taiwan Strait, today urged Taiwan's people to make a correct choice in the upcoming election, which he described as being about peace and war, prosperity and decline. What do they really mean when they use those four words? 
will pretty much vote for us and or we'll kill you. Uh, <laughs> that's you know, kind of uh, the Chinese approach to things, and particularly when it comes to Taiwan. It's about that simple. You know, if you don't vote for us, you know, God knows what's going to happen to you and it isn't going to be good. And if you want an example of it, you know, look at everywhere else we've been, uh, Tibet, Xinjiang, Hong Kong. Uh, it, it really is a, a unveiled threat. If you know how to read this stuff, it's and they're saying if you vote for anyone, if you vote for Lai, the DPP, that it's going to be war. It's going to be misery. And boy, that'll win you over a lot of people. Mm. Uh, but these, it's in the previous presidential election, actually, the, what happened was that the KMT candidate was darn close to winning, and he was effectively a nobody. Uh, and the Chinese had created him into a candidate, got a lot of public support through electors, manipulating social media, uh, basically. And then what happened is a few months, really, before the election, China cracked down on Hong Kong. And uh -huh. that woke people in Taiwan up. And as a result, the DPP had an overwhelming win. And you wonder if China's going to pull off some, you know, some other brilliant maneuver uh, this time around by threatening people like this. Uh, the Taiwanese are not stupid. They're smarter than anyone. And if someone says, vote for my guy, I'm going to kill you. Well, what are you going to, you, you may say, okay, but more likely you're going to say, well, if that's what you think. We're going to vote for the other guy. Mm. Um, absolutely tone deaf. They are tone deaf because the Taiwanese value their democracy. They value the freedom that they have in the world where they live. And I doubt whether threats like that mean anything, except they go in the opposite direction, don't they? Uh, by and large, uh, other than the people that have been bought off uh, by the, the PRC. Um, but you do find that in these elections that a lot of people vote based on their personal situation, their economic situation. So if you don't have a, you know, a job that pays very well, and in Taiwan, even good jobs often don't pay very well, and you have real estate prices going through the roof and think, well, I'll never have a never have a house of my own or an apartment of my own, that you may go with the guy that you think is going to improve your conditions rather than voting on foreign affairs. But when you do live 90 miles away from uh, really a totalitarian thuggish dictatorship, uh, maybe foreign affairs has more of a factor in deciding how people vote than it does in, say, the United States. Yeah, understandably so. All right, that New Year's message from Xi Jinping, what did you make of it and what were the highlights, do you think? <laughs> oh, it's pretty much always the same. Uh, it, when you listen to these things, it's uh, stringing together a lot of platitudes about win-win, um, you know, just you know, success of the Chinese nation, rejuvenation, and the threats to Taiwan, uh, really the veiled threats to the United States. I'd say it wasn't really anything that would surprise anyone. Uh, so I would say that the day after the, the speech, it was just the way it was before the speech. Uh, so, you know, the, the way to, to look at it is really no change, um, but perhaps uh, said with a slightly nicer tone since it was the start of the new year. But it's uh, no surprise and really there'll be no surprises what's coming uh, from the PRC. We'll just see how we deal with it. Uh, Chinese state media unveiled new images of the nation's most advanced aircraft carrier yet, including next generation launch tracks that can catapult a wider range of aircraft from its deck. 
How advanced is this technology, including the carrier's electromagnetic catapult system? Well, a lot of it is the best the Americans could provide. Uh, unfortunately, it's pretty good. The Chinese already have two 50,000-ton uh, aircraft carriers, and they're out figuring out how to use them, doing pretty well. This is an 80,000-ton carrier, about the size of the uh, the new U.S. Uh, Ford class, as I, as I recall. Uh, and they'll, they'll put, a, put the pieces together, they'll figure out how it works, and they'll build more of them. Uh, it's a funny story, it's not funny, is that in around 2009, the head of the U.S. Indo-PACOM, uh, Admiral Keating, was, uh, was visiting China, and he was asked, what do you think about the Chinese getting aircraft carriers? And he said, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. In fact, I'll be glad to help them as much as I can. And that was very much the thinking on the part of the U.S. military's ruling class. Well, the Chinese will never be our equals. They're too stupid. Well, you got that wrong, and it, it was mm. obvious at the time. So we had our own best and brightest in uniform and out of uniform, who basically are to thank uh, for what the Chinese have got when it comes to carriers. Uh, they're not at our level yet, but considering how far they have come in 15 years, sometimes you have to step back in awe of, of what they have done. And their shipbuilding uh, capacity only exceeds America's by 200 times. Uh, and it's not even close. So while we were sitting, uh, patting ourselves on the back, uh, the Chinese have been zooming along and they continue to uh, zoom. And in some cases, they're leaving us in the dust. A bit of respect goes a hell of a long way. Are we getting closer or further away from the likelihood of a military intervention over Taiwan by China? I think we're getting closer. You know, and keep in mind, this is a, you know, I also predict the Washington football team is going to win the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> and have for 25 years. So discount whatever predictions I make. Uh, but I think we are. Uh, and why I say that is I think that militarily, Xi Jinping thinks he's about where he needs to be. Uh, he's had a fifth column that's been working in Taiwan for decades. Um, and he's got this election coming up in Taiwan. And if he gets his guy in, well, maybe he'll hold back for a bit. Um, but if the DPP wins, he knows that there's no way Taiwan is ever going to voluntarily come back to the or come to the mainland. They've never been part of the mainland of the Chinese regime. Uh, but more importantly, I think he's got his eye on what's coming in the United States. And we have an election coming. Uh, and you know the riots are going to start uh, sometime this year, uh, just as they did in 2020. It's going to be absolute chaos, no matter who wins. Uh, and I think America will be distracted. Uh, plus, our finances are a mess, uh, of course, and we've got too much going on around the world. He may think, this is my chance. Uh, he said what he's going to do, uh, wants to do. I would take him seriously. And he may think that he's got the window open and, and this is the time. So I would actually be very worried about what's coming this year. Okay, let me take you outside of that region to another region where a war is ongoing. And I'm talking about the Middle East. It seems as if we're starting to see the first pieces of evidence of a war being played out beyond the boundaries of the Gaza Strip. Uh, we've had the deputy leader of Hamas taken out by a drone, obviously uh, led by Israel in the last 48 hours. We've had threats from Hezbollah about there being no ceiling on their attempts to seek revenge. Uh, we've also got the Red Sea coalition in um, 
in the United States, United Kingdom, Japan and others, warning the Houthi rebels that they too will face consequences if they continue attacking vessels in the Red Sea. How important is the passage of ships in the Red Sea and how serious are the United States, do you think? Well, it's the equivalent of cutting off a, a big highway. Like so much traffic flows through the Red Sea. But keep in mind that when you do cut these off, there's usually a way around it. It's just longer, more expensive, and takes more time. So it is inconvenient. Um, but if the Persian Gulf gets cut off, well, that's another story entirely, because then you've had both highways cut off and so much uh, commercial transport, but also oil and energy flows through here, uh, both for Europe, for Asia, that this would be really a, a big problem, to say the least. Um, but to me, the, what I look at when I look at what's going on in the Red Sea, what I think is, well, man, if the Houthis aren't afraid of the Biden administration, nobody is. And the Houthis are Iran. Uh, they are basically a sort of a proxy of the uh, of the Iranians. And the Chinese are, of course, backing the Iranians to no end. Uh, and Iran didn't think, seem to think America would do very much if they cut off the Red Sea transport routes. Mm. And once again, it is that lack of fear, that lack of concern over what the United States might do uh, that really worries me. And I think we will see that play out elsewhere uh, in the world. And then also you look at our friends. Um, they don't appear all that afraid either. The, uh, the sort of the volunteers to join the, um, <clears throat> join the coalition, the naval coalition. Uh, it's not exactly been overwhelming in some places, some countries that we thought were our really good friends only sent a few officers to participate in the um, sort of at the headquarters. Uh, they may be good officers. For example, no... Australia. For example, Australia. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. But they're, they may be very good officers, but there's nothing uh, like a ship. But once again, it's that lack of concern, I think, over what the Biden administration might do to you. But ultimately, a lack of respect, then that's troubling. Uh, and as I said, I think we will see this play out um, uh, throughout the world uh, as well, not just in the Red Sea. So that would be, and it is funny that uh, you have the Navy there playing the role of trying to sort of bat off a bunch of arrows being shot its way rather than going after the guys shooting it. Mm. Uh, but if you do, if you do, you'd better be ready to finish it. And I'm not sure that we, we have that nerve. Uh, and goodness, you're about as old as I am, or maybe not quite, but now, we remember 1978-79, the Iranian Revolution. Yeah. So it seems like this fight has been going on forever. And I still keep waiting for somebody to produce the Iranian moderates. Um, they must be hiding somewhere. Uh, but th this is just this is just Act 20 in the sort of the, the civilized world versus the uh, Iranians. Um, we'll see how it plays out. And how do you see Gaza playing out here? Let's presume that the the bombing and the taking out of Hamas soldiers on the ground and underground end sometime in 2024. Presumably the UN tries to um, gather support for a re, you know, rebuilding of Gaza, if that's possible. Um, will Palestine get its separate sovereign state? Uh, what are we likely to see in 2024 from this conflict, do you think? I know what I would like to see. Um, but the thing is, I don't know. You know, I, I, I would hope that the Israelis finish it. And if you don't, you will have to deal with it again. And the Americans will have to get involved and the rest of the world will. At some point, Iran is going to have nuclear weapons and delivery systems. 
Uh, and this is going to be a much bigger thing than we're seeing just in this fight in the, the Gaza Strip. Um, plus just the the the, the act, actions on October 7th. If these are not punished in a way in which there is no possible way of claiming that you, you actually came out of it okay, but rather just thorough destruction uh, of these savages, um, as I say, you will pay for it later. Um, as far as bringing sort of peace to the, the Middle East, well, there was actually actually some optimistic signs. If you remember when the Abraham Accords were signed, and of yeah. all people, this real estate man from Queens, Donald Trump, was behind it. Um, this was really something. Um, you also had America in, in sort of energy independent then, which is part of the an important uh, part of the equation. So one hesitates to be, you know, just to say it's impossible, uh, but it is really hard uh, to get the Middle East right. Um, but I say it's not impossible. I don't think it'll happen next year. But the immediate thing is this this Gaza uh, business. And I say you have got to finish them off. And sometimes you only get one chance. And I hope that uh, the Biden administration supports Israel and doesn't tell them to call it, you know, to sort of call it quits too early. And I hope that Israel, as I said, goes ahead and does it. This sort of a, just atrocity uh, needs to be dealt with fiercely so that it is not done uh, done again. Um, but, but is it possible? This- is, that, is, that, is that impossible to actually eradicate Hamas? I would presume that there are more characters like the deputy leader of Hamas in Beirut. There would be others spread through Kuwait, um, uh, Qatar, you name it in the Middle East. Uh, can you track them all down? Well, you can get a lot of them. Um, I wouldn't issue life insurance to them if I was a, had my own company. Um, but at the same, yes, there will always be people like this. Uh, but you know, do re- remember there used to be, uh, say, these auditoriums in Nazi Germany of people uh, in the 30s, all with big flags and all giving the Hitler salute. And by 1945, you couldn't find a Nazi in in Germany. Uh, so it is a tough business, uh, make no mistake, but I think that uh, there is no alternative to it uh, in this case. Uh, there's been so many deals offered uh, to the Palestinians and they've, uh, unfortunately, the people who are their leaders uh, have turned them all down. Uh, but sometimes you either you either fight or you lose and you sometimes have to do it for an awfully long time. Um, but it, uh, given the alternatives, um, that would be my say what I would like to see happen. I think the Israelis will be under a lot of pressure to say to prematurely uh, end this. And it, it is sort of funny that you have the Americans offering to advise them on how to uh, fight these kind of wars. Um, I didn't notice which uh, successful campaign the American military conducted over the last 20 years. <laughs> um, so, you know, plus you look at a place like Mosul after the Americans were done with it, uh, there wasn't much left. And here we are. I'm telling the Israelis to to play to go soft. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't do it, but um, it's yeah. this has been a just a mess my entire life, uh, as yours, and I suspect it will be for a while. But you know the the October seventh attacks, uh, this was something different. And as I say, when you go after civilians like this and you crow about it, well, uh, you really don't deserve to be around on this earth for much longer. I couldn't agree more. Um, well, we haven't solved the problems of the world, and we haven't even got to Ukraine and Russia, but I don't want to give people a migraine at this stage of 2024. <laughs> Grant Newsham, much appreciated. Thank you very much for kicking us off for the year. Thank you. Oh, pleasure. I'm glad to start on an optimistic note. <laughs>
Yes, something like that anyway. Thank you, yeah. mate. Much appreciated. Sure. Pleasure. Grant Newsham, uh, his book, by the way, the author of the recently published When China Attacks, A Warning to America, the retired US Marine officer who I enjoy having on the program, which is why we've got him on the first day back for 2024 on TNT. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth... Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. residential areas by... And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious. Some are easy to miss. But they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Prescription drug pricing points to corporate... Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, no. there are real threats to press freedom residential areas. and your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important That's to you. Question. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. The voice of a changing world. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, if you'd like to have your say, maybe there's something with what Grant Newsham had to say about Taiwan, about the Gaza Strip, about the Red Sea, about China that you'd like to comment on. You go for your life on our talkback numbers. If you'd like to phone through from the United States or Canada, you can do so on one 201 From the UK, 33 1026 and from Australia or New Zealand, one 310 I'd love to hear what you think about the year ahead. Now, it takes a little bit of a, a while before people start to get warmed up to serious news. But um, I think if we don't, if I, th- I think if we ignore what's about to occur in 2024, even at this stage, I think it's dangerous. We need to have our say either on these formats or other formats and ensure that uh, our politicians and our leaders are listening to us and are aware of our concerns, in particular, what's going on in the Gaza Strip. And you may have a view after you've had a chance to wrestle with it over the Christmas period and the New Year period. Maybe your views have changed. Maybe you don't support Israel like you may have done and vice versa. People's views change um, after the progression of war. And the same applies to the Ukraine and Russia. If you are swapping prisoners, and this is an outsider speaking, I'm not a military person, but if you are swapping prisoners and you have that kind of communication with the enemy, why can't you actually get to the negotiation negotiation table? Why can't you actually sit down and work out what the parameters might be for a possible negotiation as a starting point? I don't get it because it is just a senseless, wasteful, now forgettable war between Ukraine and 
Russia. Now, earlier in the program, I was speaking with Grant at the uh, get-go from, uh, he's in Hawaii, but f- about what ha- occurred on uh, in Japan and the plane hitting um, the smaller plane and then all the passengers from the Japan Airlines plane being somehow able to escape to freedom. Now, if you've seen the photos, that particular aircraft burst into flame on contact. And that makes it even more remarkable that those passengers in their entirety were able to get out and be freed. Well, there's a little bit more news coming out of the UK just in the last two hours that I'd like to tell you about. It concerns British Airways. British Airways has been rocked by the sudden death of two flight attendants. A 52-year-old worker died in a hotel room during a stopover And another steward, also 52, collapsed and died while on duty. These reports are coming out of The Sun. The first man was found dead on December 23 after failing to report for duty. His flight from Newark to London Heathrow was cancelled with passengers rebooked onto later flights. Devastated colleagues were flown home as passengers raised the alarm. Now, the second steward collapsed and died whilst on duty in front of shocked passengers on New Year's Eve. It is inexplicable. He tragically collapsed as the busy flight from London Heathrow to Hong Kong prepared to depart. A source said crew were frantic. These were two healthy people who suddenly dropped dead. There were no reported underlying health issues, none. The crew were family men and leave devastated families in shock and disbelief. It has been a traumatic festive period for BA's flying team. Everyone is deeply upset. Now, travellers and holidaymakers were in their seats when the steward collapsed and first aid was administered in vain. Even that process can be quite alarming to people watching. Doors were locked on BA Flight 32 and the pilot had requested to push back to head to the runway when the crew member suddenly collapsed in the rear galley. That's how close they were to taking off. The captain urgently called for medical assistance and a passenger trained in first aid raced to help. But despite the arrival of police and ambulance teams, tragically, the steward could not be resuscitated and devastated passengers were told the New Year's Eve flight was being cancelled due to a medical emergency. Passengers were rebooked onto another flight, BA-31, the next day. Now, there is some uh, commentary based on what The Sun is reporting on social media about the possibility that this could be vaccine-related. I don't know. You don't know. They don't know. But I'd be very interested to see what the coroner finds in both these instances, because, as you know, one of the uh, the costs and the prerequisites of uh, continuing to fly during the period during the pandemic um, fell onto stewards and pilots to get vaccinated. And they were one of the first to do so. So it would be interesting to see whether any of that played a role. Um, we know the cardio problems associated with certain mRNA vaccines. That has occurred. That is a fact. It is not a conspiracy. It is a fact. And it's a matter of how many more will lose their lives as a result of that. So we'll keep an eye on the coronial inquiry in reference to that. Donald Trump has appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday to undo the Colorado ruling that removed him from the ballot in the Western state under the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution for inciting an insurrection. Now, 
Trump's lawyers wrote in the Wednesday filing, in our system of government, of the people, by the people, and for the people, Colorado's ruling is not and cannot be correct. They also said the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling, if allowed to stand, will mark the first time in the history of the United States that the judiciary has prevented voters from casting ballots for the leading major party presidential candidate. I don't care what you think about Donald Trump. If you think it's a good thing that people are taken off a ballot because of a presumption by a court that has not been proven in a court of law, that that person is unqualified, well, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong form of democracy in your little head. That is not the democracy I have in mind. It's a disgrace what has occurred, whether it involves Donald Trump, Joe Biden or anyone on this planet. It's a, it is a disgrace. They went on to lay out several reasons why the Supreme Court should restore him to the ballot. Only Congress, not the courts, had the authority to evaluate a dispute over the eligibility of a presidential candidate, they wrote. As president, his lawyers argued, Trump was not an officer of the United States. Relevant language in the Constitution bars anyone from serving if they have engaged in insurrection as an officer of the United States. Now, that is the defence argument to try and ensure that none of this sticks, especially related to the federal indictment. But I don't think, as far as we're concerned, we need to follow Trump's defence argument. The argument should be, Prove that this has occurred in a court of law and then the Supreme Court can rule him ineligible to have his name on a ballot. Any fair-minded person would think that that was the progression of this case. Prove it in court first. If the federal indictment proves that he led an insurrection and it was created and prepared for as an insurrection would be, well, if that's proven... The Colorado Supreme Court can decide whatever it wants in reference to Donald Trump's name being on a ballot for the primaries. Uh, look, at the end of the day, um, he needs to fight it, and I hope he wins for the sake of not just the Donald Trump camp, but moreover, democracy in the United States. Because if you think this is democracy, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong version of it in your head. It is not the one that I have. Now, coming up on the program next hour, stack coming up, so don't go anywhere. I will catch up with the one and only, the most politically incorrect in the Southern Hemisphere, Jim Ball. He's back for 2024 on the program, and he's got an awful lot to say about Hezbollah's threats. We'll talk about the Gaza Strip, but we'll dovetail into other issues, including the list of documents being unveiled in the Jeffrey Epstein case. Uh, it is not a list of clients, by the way. It is not a list of clients, despite what has been reported by some in mainstream media. It is not that. Um, so people need to calm down. Uh, but it is well worth reporting, let me tell you. We'll talk about that with Jim Ball and we'll catch up with Vern Hughes and talk about what 2024 has in store for conservative politics. Plenty to come right here on TNT. TNT.